Welcome to the Fatherly Podcast. I am your host, Joshua David Stein, and I'm joined for the first time by my co-host, currently checking his email on his phone. Responding on email. It's even worse. (laughs) It is worse. Jason Gay. Hey, Jason. Hey, uh, hold on a sec. You are the the worst. All right, there I go. Today, we'll be talking to a real-life superhero, Luke Cage, a.k.a. Humanities Mike Coulter. <laughs> That's how he walks around. It's like, hi, I'm Humanities Mike Coulter. <laughs> I was put in some tank like an exotic fish. Came out with abilities. I just want to be left the hell alone. It's true. We'll be talking to Mike Coulter, the actor who is perhaps best known for playing uh, Luke Cage on Netflix's unfortunately just canceled yeah, uh, series. Strangely. And we'll get into annulled. that. Yeah. He is also a father, as we'll get into. He has two daughters, one who's quite new. He's portrayed in the arts as this, like, bulletproof guy. And then him doing push-ups with his daughter on his back and posting, like, ridiculous amounts of baby ephemera, you know? And I wanted, and I and I want to, to well, like I said, I'm just obsessed. <laughs> I mean, there's no, I could try to, like, shroud that in some other, um, conceptual shit but that's not true he always as far as i can tell portrays really strong characters and there's something about his voice which i'm eager to hear yeah irl yeah it's very low and his persona certainly is sort of invincible and in fact luke cage is bulletproof and i'm curious how much he keeps that up how much that is true in his personal life with his daughter i mean i don't know if this is your experience but i also as a father struggle a little bit with how much to raise a curtain in front of my own kids to show them my own emotional struggles, my own vulnerabilities, my, uh, my emotions, Yeah, you know, and I'm curious what his, as, as you said, he, he is the closest thing you and I have to a superhero, <laughs> what his experience is as well. How much to let the children behind the curtain of the real Joshua? There's a little Wizard of Oz back there going. (laughs) Pulling levers. You're grounded. Uh, (laughs) My heart's broken. You're grounded. (laughs) I have deep-seated insecurity. Welcome to the Fatherly Podcast. I hope you enjoy the show. Jason, um, I know a little bit about you. One of the things I admire most is your Wikipedia headshot. Oh, thanks. Yeah. But yeah. tell me a little bit more about her. Well, I'll just, for the listener at home, he's in the headshot at least. He's suave, <laughs> clean cut in a suit, I think, with glasses. Uh, in studio, he is... I look like the after shot. Yeah, you're, you're <laughs> that more was earthy. the before. <laughs> you're earthy. Now, now it's the after. Now it's like you know, I've I've fallen on hard times. That photo was taken because 
a handful of years ago, now five years ago, I was on a very short-lived television show with Regis Philbin called Crowd Goes Wild. It was a sports show. It was a sports panel show. It lasted about uh, seven months. It was a uh, live studio show, and uh, as part of the hype machine for it, they took these very airbrushed photographs of. And I've never looked better, you know. <laughs> that was your peak. That I, I peaked there. Yes. Well, they, they they photoshopped me. They gave me extra chin. They gave me pectorals. <laughs> uh, my glasses were improved. Uh, yeah, uh, the, there's very little of actual me in that headshot. So you're a sports guy. That's true. I am a sports writer by trade. Uh, I work primarily at the Wall Street Journal. That is my uh, big job. And four hundred one k. That's where the four hundred one k is. Benefits. That's where the town car outside waiting to pick me up is. Yeah, no the whole shit. Thing. No, no, I'm just kidding about <laughs> yeah. that. I'm just on the subway like everybody else. Just like Bill De Blasio and Bloomberg <laughs> before him. Um, and importantly, and germane for this podcast, yeah, you are a dad. A what? Yeah. Yes, I am a father. I have two children. I have a son named Jesse, who is five, soon to be six, and a daughter named Jojo, who is three, soon to be four. They're they're terrible children, but we're keeping them. Is Jojo her uh, given name or the nickname? It is not. You have detected properly. It is a nickname. Her real name is Josie. Jojo was a um, shortened version that her brother gave to her. So it's stuck. We it's like stuck. it. Jojo Gay. I mean, that is a wild name, right? I always think great terms... things are going to come from Jojo Gray. Jojo Gay. I mean, like, you know, you might think this way too. I mean, I think in terms of bylines, what's that byline going to yes. look like? And Jojo Gay, I mean, I feel like she's like 50 yards down the field already with that name. A uh, sports reference. Yeah. Uh, something you should know about me before we really get into this <laughs> is I am uh, not a sports guy whatsoever. Yeah. And I don't understand yeah. that many sports. Yeah. And um, so when you make sports references, please just let me know what you're talking about. Well, good news for you is that if you want to be in sports media, you don't really need to know about sports Great. either. So, you know, you'll fit right in. <laughs> but you do. And you've you've been interested in sports your whole life or? A little bit. You know, I grew up, you know, in a sporty town, did all the you Which know, was... usual stuff. I grew up in Massachusetts in a leafy town called Belmont. Sounds sporty. Yeah, it is sporty. Soccer, basketball, uh, baseball. Uh, brother was much more athletically gifted. My father was a high school tennis coach in the city of Cambridge, Massachusetts, uh, for 40 years. So I grew up around that. Um, but you know, I was, I was never going to go pro, you know, it was not happening for me. So, you know, my only ticket to, uh, sitting anywhere near professional athletics was with a laptop. Let's get this dude on the phone. How's it going, man? (laughs) Good. How about you? This is Joshua David Stein. And I'm joined hey. by Jason. How are you? Oh, hey, Jason. What's up, man? Hi, guys. My older daughter is, uh, yeah, she's three and a half. And then I got a newborn. So I got some time on that. But, um, you know, got to get the first one through first. And, um, you know, nothing. These are, these are and, and for the listeners, so they'll be clear, this is a private school we're looking at. And um, if you can be so lucky, sure, do it. And if not, find the best public school you can find. But uh, we do the best we can. You know, hopefully we can continue to send her to private school if that's what happens. But um, I went to public public school and that turned out okay. I didn't, you know, I'm not that bad. Where'd you go? I went to South Carolina. I was, in, which was at the time. I got to tell you, it was one of the worst um, states in in the country in terms of education. And the county I was in was probably one of the worst in the, in that state. So that I always joked I'm probably from the dumbest place 
in the entire planet. You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, that's how bad I felt like my education, um, could be, or, or, or might have been, um, depends on how much you, you know, you get out of it. I mean, you know, you kind of get out what you put in, but, um, but in some ways I, I think I'm lucky, you know, I was, I was a gifted student, but it's all relative because I mean, I don't know how that really translates, you know, to, to everything else in the world. You know what I mean? How does that shape your decisions about kids and schooling though? Because on one hand, you're like, oh, you obviously recognize the, you know, how great it would be to have an excellent education. On the other hand, you might have the opinion, well, it doesn't really matter because look, it yeah. worked out for me. Oh uh, no, I, I'm I'm one of those people that goes, you know, I'm not. I mean, people, some to me, people who believe that they're one, they're they're, they're the anomaly. They're people who are the anomaly, who are the the exception to the rule who actually try to sell other people that they're special. That's interesting. I, I, I hate, I, I hate that because <laughs> I, I don't believe that for one second. I don't believe it for one second. I believe once you achieve success and you know, you can look at yourself and go, I did it all. And you can forget about everybody who's around you and you can discount all the chances of luck that probably played into it, where you went to school, who helped you out. I'm one of those people that I do believe your product of your environment more so than anything. Of course, there are exceptions to the rule, but if you give me a kid, Nine times out of ten, you put them in a great school with a great family and a great upbringing, all that stuff, versus a kid who's going to be put into the worst upbringing, the worst scenario. Sure, that kid may 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 succeed. The kid that was put into the bad scenario, they may succeed. But I'm going to bet on the other kid. If I'm if we're talking percentages here, nine <laughs> times out of ten, the other kid's going to do better. And I don't want to hear about the exception to the rule. If you want to tell me about the exception to the rule and you want to put your kid into that exception, then go ahead. If you want to set your kid up for failure and hope that they succeed. That's your that's your thing. I'm trying to do the best I can for the kid because I don't believe that you know that that's the way you should do things. I think everybody should have the same opportunities, even playing field. That way, you know who's 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 really um, an achiever. You yeah, it's your mom and dad always looking out for you. You know what I mean? You know, you're absolutely right. There is this sort of like exceptionalism myth that happens in this country where people think that because they got somewhere, they got there on their own merit entirely, and they won't acknowledge any kind of like luck or. Privilege There's a sports like metaphor for this, isn't there? <laughs> yeah. Right? People who are born oh, on third base. Born on third base, yeah. yes. Um, born, oh, yeah, yeah. Wow. I, I never heard that before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bar, born on third that. base and think they hit a triple, I think, uh, yes, is the exactly. full cliche. I love that. I, I got to use that one. But I think that these conversations now happening at a younger age are really good because, you know, we see it all the time now in our, you know, national conversation or national argument. Mm-hmm. It more seems like that people just feel like, you know, by virtue of where they're standing, it's only on the basis of their own merit. The only people that have to buy into that to, to, to sleep at night are poor people. Let's be honest. That if you don't buy into that, it is a horrible thing to go to sleep and know that your that your that your child is set up for failure, and that yeah. unless you can find a way to get them, that that's you know we have to buy into these things, and I and I don't want people to you know be bamboozled. You know we should have an even playing field. How much do you want to communicate and um, tell your kids about you know? Your experience growing up in South Carolina, how important is it for you to let them know, I guess you could say, how good they got it? I think um, I think it's, it's important to try to always beat it into them because I think if they're surrounded not by... Not literally. It, let's just say not literally. <laughs> not literally. Let's just, guys, yep, listeners, listeners, <laughs> beating, we're, not, we're not beating anybody. No one's been being beat. Um uh, I think it, it, it's important to sort of reiterate and to expose them to things that they may not have known about their parents, especially if their parents came from a meager beginnings. Um, because otherwise, 
you know, I got to find a way to, to get to foster character. You know, I, I want to get her a job. I want her to do things. I want her to struggle a little bit. I want them to have to earn some things. So however I can get infuse them with character because I didn't have to, I didn't need excuse. I, I had jobs after jobs. I mean, cutting grass, mowing lawns, um, working at fish markets, working at uh, vendors at games, um, working bagging groceries, um, aerating lawns, landscaping. I mean, you, you name a job, I did it. Uh, you, I couldn't So there's no, I got plenty of character, so I'm good with that. I just got to figure out for them how to make sure that if, if, Things go well, and they continue to go well. They don't think that this is how life works. You know, I got to take it back home to South Carolina, where I'm from. Um, I used to live on a dirt road. They finally paved it about eight years ago, so now the dirt road's gone. That would have been nice to show them the dirt road. Now that's not going to be there. Um, so, and I, you know, so I got to find ways to make sure that they know that the world is not normally this uh, this glittered with um with with gold in, in a sense. Like you know, waking up having. Uh, a, a variety of things to eat in the pantry that just, you know, like having, you know, that's, that's a weird thing. When I yeah. grew up, we didn't have a variety of things, you know, I pretty much choices. ate the same things every morning. It's cho- yeah. choices. It was either bologna sandwich or like a bowl of cereal and, and depending on which day it was, it was it. You're like daddy, you know, I, I want my pan of chocolate. <laughs> no, 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 none of that. I didn't, I go out for coffee now. And I think, I mean, to them, that's normal. We go to Starbucks, we go to the drive through we never went out for coffee. There was no such thing as going out for coffee. We made, they made coffee and tea at home. And I literally would take like warm, they would, we would toast bread and we would dip that in there. I think that was like some British thing. We'd dip it into tea and with butter and stuff. And that was it. I mean, there was no such thing as my mom went out for coffee. That didn't, that didn't happen. No you know? soy chai so, lattes in the, in the childhood of my no culture. Soy, no soy, no chai. No <laughs> latte. We didn't even know what that was. I didn't even know what that was, to be honest. Mike, do you find that the side of parenthood that, you know, and I, I feel the same way, you want to instill kind of um, values in your child to understand, you know, the advantages that they've had, especially in comparison to people who came before them, but also, you know, against the very natural, like, you know, tendency of parents to spoil and, and say like, oh, wow, oh, yeah. you know, my folks could never do this for me, but I can, so I want to give them this advantage. And, and how do those things compete against each other if they do with you? Well, I'll tell anyone, um, um, I'll say this, I'll say anyone who thinks that it's not about you. It's not about you trying to have your kid live the life that you wish you had when you were a kid because you're ruining them. The life you had as a kid is created who you are and allows you, if you're lucky enough to be successful, that's why you're successful. Don't, don't forget that. But to try to make now, why take all of that and then go, I want to show off with my kid. Why put all the stuff that you thought you should have? Your kid is not a toy. You know, you don't, you don't get yeah. you. Your kid is an individual. Your kid is not a redo of you. Not a redo. It's not yeah. a redo. Now, some people, some people do that the other way. They're not, when they're not successful, they try to live vicariously through their kids. And that's dangerous, too. Either <laughs> one is probably unhealthy. Um, I, I'll tell people this. The mo- and this happened the last couple of weeks because I just had a new addition to the family. Got the new daughter. Yeah, right? congratulations. Yeah. What's her name? Yeah. Her name is Chazelle. So it's like, it's like Chaz, C-H-A-Z-E-L-L-E. So it's like Chaz L, Chazelle. Chazelle, Um, And I call her Chaz or Chazzy is what we call her. Um, Because I like the name Chaz. It it gives her an option. She's not, you can't tell if it's male, female. You don't know where she's from. Very general and it's kind of cool. So, yeah. Um, But when Chaz came along, Niles, who's very astute and very smart, became very difficult all of a sudden because of the new addition. (laughs) And what I realized and what I quickly realized is that we didn't really know how to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So I employ, implore any parent out there who 
who, who does not have it all together right now, make sure you take a class, read a book, or go to a seminar. Because I was doing some things right and some things I was not doing right at all. And that was mostly, mostly because I was winging it. You know, as a parent, this, yeah. is the, this is the hardest job we have. And we usually don't have any experience or any sort of, like, prep for it. Like, nobody ever thinks about it. Like, you get a kid, it is the hardest thing you're going to have to do in your life. And then you don't read a book, you don't take a class. I mean, we do it with everything else. We do it with driving. We do it with our jobs. We do it with everything else they're going to be good at except parenting. So I, I went to the seminar. And I got to tell you, man, I took so much, so many notes and I came back and what I was able to accomplish in a matter of two weeks with my daughter, it's, it's amazing. And, and it's only because I was able to apply some of the techniques and, and things that were tried and true by experts to my kid. And, and it makes total sense. It, make, it makes me a better parent. And my kid, my kid now is more responsive and loves me even more than she did before. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked that what that, that I was, I, I thought I could do this without like going to some sort of uh, class. I mean, read books and stuff, but you know, I really didn't think that I, it was that important to really seek out professional help about guiding in your, your child. What but, did you feel like you were doing that you needed the most help with? Well, you, you, you brought it up. You said like spoiling your kid. There's about 10 different categories of parenting and, and all of us fall into one of them, if not more than one of them. And one of them is spoiling. One of them is giving them too much. One of them is too much attention when they fall. Like you, you, you nurture them too much. The, the others are like, you know, you're, you're the yes parent. You don't want conflict. You always give them what they want because it, it feels better than having them argue with you or having to have any, any sort of resistance. Um, you know, the helicopter parent, the lawnmower parent, people who go ahead of the kid and try to get out rid of all of the of the um, um, of the, 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 the stuff that could possibly hinder their child. They try to go and do that before the kid even gets there. I mean, there's so many levels to, to bad parenting that, you know, you can't even imagine. Um, but, but I'm asking ask, about you, know, particu- me, like you yeah. specifically. Like me. Oh, me specifically? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, I was the I, I was the drill sergeant parent. I was ah, doing, okay. I was doing the drill sergeant parent. And I think I, I actually made a post months ago about it, um, my voice having this big voice learning to make sure I use it and temper it because I don't want to make sure that she thinks that this is normal yeah. to people for people to yell. I don't yell a lot, but having a big voice, it's, it's, it's almost like yelling <laughs> because for me, if I say something very, very, you know, like I raise my voice a little bit and I just, I it just make, it makes that much more um, of an emphasis or an impact on her. So I have to sort of understand that I have to use the words and really don't, I really don't, I don't want to frighten my kid with my voice is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, so the drill sergeant thing that I was doing was just basically there's no no nonsense kind of thing. Do this or or else. Do this or else. You know, like you know, not really communicating with her because she's a very smart kid. Just talking to her, telling her exactly because she'll listen. You know, you, you get about two or three sentences with a three year old of they're smart in which they'll pay you attention. After that, they'll tune you out. And I learned <laughs> you have to say what you want in the first three sentences and just make it efficient, and then they'll get it. Say, this is what I want you to do, and if you don't do this, this is what's going to happen. They're like the best editor in the world. That is it. That is it. That's all you got. What you want, what's going to happen if they don't do it, and and, and that's it. You know, and stuff like that. That's, That's really all you have. Hey, Mike, I'm punching this in after you hung up, but let's hear from our sponsors. Mike, let me ask you about co-parenting, which is a ongoing theme in my own home, which dun, dun, dun. does include a, the, the, my home includes a, a, a three-year-old daughter as well. 
Um, my wife feels that we need to be on the same page, that uh, yeah. if I have an alternative parenting style f- to hers, uh, it will be disastrous for the upbringing of the children. I feel like, well, uh-huh. you know, I think of it like, you know, to use another sports term, you know, it's like an offensive and a defensive coordinator here. You know, we can have like, you know, little different playing styles often, you know, if my wife and I are uh, trading off, but she feels much more strongly than I do that, that you got to be on the same page or else the kids are just going to run wild over you. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, I think it's like this divide and conquer. I mean, I think she's right to a, to a certain degree. You know, one person, usually defers to the other in some way, shape, or form, the parenting. Like, if I'm home less, if I come in, like, re- recently I've been home so more, which, which is great, um, especially now the baby's here. Um, before I wasn't home as much, so I would defer to her. I would basically, if Niles would ask me something, I would basically kind of say, let me talk to your mom, or what does your mom say? Yeah. I'm home now, so I'm leading the charge. I establish what I want, and now she asks me, what did your dad say? Which it feels great because I feel like I'm actually doing more um, now, and I, I like that. I like that having that hands-on because if I'm, you know, I leave again, I'm doing the best I can right now to make this connection with my kids. So I think you do have to be on the same page because the kids will try and figure out who will give them what they want. And if you, if you show weakness, <laughs> then you're in trouble. Once you decide that you're going to yeah. give her something that mom said, now you're going to actually, it's going to backfire. And I, I've seen it with, with our situation. Me and my wife are on the same page and the nanny is a little behind. Yeah. And the nanny used to be the favorite person in the house. Now that the nanny's behind and not the same page and she sort of gives in to my daughter, my daughter respects her less and she will take advantage of that and right. she will not listen to her and she will, she will challenge her and I see it. So you have to be on the same page, but it's a pretty large page. It's a very large page. And, and the page just basically goes, whatever has been established and said, follow through with that. And, and, but what's great about what I learned is that you break your child, because your child's like three, right? The great thing about it, and this is, is very helpful, breaking the day up into three quarters so you don't, the child doesn't have to be successful for all of the day. And that's great. I just realized that. That, that helped a lot. Having my daughter have a successful quarter is much is much more effective than trying to have her be successful the entire day because she will fail, she will make mistakes, and when she does, now I I gotta either hold to the you know hold her to the fire, or or give in. So how do I do that? So I realize if I just give her short little increments of time to succeed, if she does well, I can reward her. I can give her right. yes, you've done this well. And if she fails a couple times, she gets a do over eventually. Like I like I'll say you didn't do this, so now you can't have this because we, you said you were going to do this and you didn't do that. Now she has not gotten that and she can't have that. But in a couple hours in the other phase of the day, which comes after her nap, she can start over. Now she can maybe get that thing again if she can do these other things. So she has a chance to fail and succeed and not have to hold, you know, and it's, and it's good because they can't remember what they did from eight o'clock in the morning to like eight o'clock at night. They don't remember. So, um, one of the reasons were, we, before you came on, we were talking about superheroes. And one of the things that I'm so interested in asking you because of your unique, um, you know, your personal story and also your professional life is about parents as superheroes. And Jason, you were talking about it too. It's like when you're a kid, you kind of see your parent, at least I saw... Well, I can't lie. My dad was not a hero. But, <laughs> um, but there's a tendency to see, you know, parents as superheroes. And I, now I have a, I have a five, what do I have? I have a five and a six-year-old. And I'm very aware of trying to sh- lift the curtain a little 
to let them see that I am struggling as a dad. Uh, you know, that it's uh, not yeah. perfect, that sometimes I struggle with sadness or I struggle with anger. And I wonder if someone, you know, like you said, your voice is something you carry with you professionally into your personal life. And how much with your daughter, how much with your family do you show the weaknesses and show like, yeah. you know, fault? So, yeah. Well, I think I think you have to have a sort of a unified front in front of the child to a certain degree for a little while. I mean, she's three. I don't think, you know, I think she's able, her, her emotions are all over the place for the most part. She's pretty good until she can't, uh, until she doesn't get enough rest. So she's not as stable as most people. When I, when I see, when I, when I, when her, when she sees me, I want her to at least think for now that dad stuff is together. Even mm-hmm. with dad stuff is together. Because we all know emotions are too complex to sometimes explain. And my daughter is very smart. She talks and articulates her feelings very well. And sometimes we'll just tell her, you know, um, so and so, your daddy's not feeling well today because of this. Or, or mommy's not feeling well because of that. But very rarely do we really do that because ultimately, you know, emotions are still complex for her age. And, and, and what we're working on right now with her, and, it's, and until she's probably like five, is emotional intelligence is pretty much all we're trying to work on right now. Mm-hmm. Because everything else, you know, we're working on other stuff, numbers and letters, but the emotional intelligence has become the biggest part of her journey now because what I was told, and I, I'm hoping that this, this will transcend to her, you know, you want to raise a likable kid. Yeah. And, and, I, and I was like, wow, I didn't really think about that. You, want, you got to raise a likable kid because it's going to follow them the rest of their life. If they're not likable as a kid, they probably won't be likable as an adult. No one will invite them to parties. No one will want to hang out with them. No one will want to be around them because they don't have good, you know, social graces, just social skills. So when I, when I, when I, when I try to keep my emotions at an even keel, because when you're all over the place and you, and you especially not, you know, I didn't realize this, but if you're volatile, if you argue in front of your kid, if you raise your voice a lot, if you if you cry a lot, if you if you just whatever you do, it rubs off on them. Oh yeah. So if you can sort of be even keel, they can process things better because they, they they'll still process it, but they won't outwardly demonstrate it. And this is no good for actors. I mean, actors are supposed to be all over the place, but as a child, you have to sort of try to bring them into society. It's you know, as an artist, this is all great. You know, my my acting teachers like. Kids are the best actors because they always do what they feel, and they and they have no censors. <laughs> yeah. You know, they have no. They just do, and that's great. But we're trying to raise, you know, good individuals that can conform to society. And so I'm trying to find a way to make sure that she has a chance to develop a little bit before she is exposed to emotions. Um, and, and I don't think at any time should I be showing her. Um, should I be showing her certain emotions because ultimately she needs to be able to process them. And, and, and if you can sort of keep her in that, that, that zone, I think it's better for her. You now know? I, not too high, not too low. Mike, I can't imagine that your three-and-a-half-year-old, and I'm sure she's quite smart, is fully aware of what her father does for a living. Uh, and have you given that some thought about what that will be like when your children know that you are in public life, and not just in public life, like in a public life that their friends get to see at school and all that? You know, it just depends. I've learned that, you know, it's about, it's about demographics. If I, right now, like, she is three and a half. She'll be four. You know, unless I'm doing Disney stuff, like Disney, like <laughs> stuff that her friends are going to be watching. Yeah. They probably, I'm, I'm dealing with their parents at this point. Their that's parents true. know who I am. Yeah, that's true. So, that's it. so I don't know that I'll ever be, you know, I don't know. I don't know will I ever be in the situation where my stuff is stuff that her friends will watch because of the age 
disparity, the age um, difference there. So um, that actually might work out my benefit. And by chance, if it does start to cross over, because I feel like at this point, she'll always, it'll always be like, you know, older people telling her about her father, but not necessarily her friends. And if it does come to a point where her friends are actually aware of who I am and stuff like that, I don't think it's going to make much difference. Cause I think ultimately I don't think kids really, um, kids really take it too seriously. If you're, if you're around your kid all the time, yeah. you're just dad. You're just, you're just dad. You know? Has she, has she, dad, has she dad, seen yeah. you on a screen yet though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. She see me, and she and she gets excited. She talks. She's like, "Mom, what's going on? Why is dad? What's dad doing?" <laughs> my, my 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 wife will let her watch. Um, will let her watch. Um, me on talk shows. Yeah. Do you think, in terms of time management, this is going to sound paradoxical, but I felt since having children that I've become a better worker because. I, I don't have screw around time anymore. There's no like room for like just sitting on the couch and doing nothing, which was a significant part of my twenties. Um, oh, and I've yeah, become yeah. a better, you know, I've just, you know, I, I, I don't have time to, to mess around. Uh, do you feel that already? Yeah, oh yeah. PlayStation went in the box years ago. I <laughs> video game. That's just, you know, that just doesn't help, man. You know, people always, oh, with movies. I don't have time to go to adult movies. I don't, what are you talking about? I catch it on a plane. I can see it on a plane or in a hotel room if I'm lucky or my, or my handheld device if I'm away working in families, you know, home. But I mean, this idea that you have all this copious amount of spare time to just do stuff that you normally would have done. It didn't exist anymore. And this that, this coming from the man movie. from Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> Netflix and chill. It's not like it used to be. Like I, I'll be honest, I mean, I just I just binged um you know Betty Mustafa. He was on the Deuce. I just binged that. Took that took that three days to binge that. I watched that in a time where I was the bottle feeding my newborn, um, watching her try to put her down. Like she takes a little while to go down, or um at night before I go to bed, and you know like literally I'm laying in the bed, I'm watching a little episode before I go to bed. So I I knocked out like three three four four days, but I mean you know, and I hadn't seen anything in a while now, so. You don't have as much time as you used to have, that's for sure. Bottle feeding is peak binge viewing, you know, time. Oh, like, like yeah. For me, like, man, I just, I, I mowed through stuff when I had to bottle <laughs> feed my kids. I watched, oh, yeah. that, that was my max television consumption moment. I feel are like they, I, Are they making those bottle feeders for, for men where they actually, remember the Meet the Poppers where they, where they, where they yeah. had those things? Do they make those, really? Or that's just a joke? Because I feel like that would be really useful. <laughs> oh, they're so useful. Just this kid, you know, my newborn does think sometimes if I put her too close to my chest, she, she's looking for a, a boob. And I'm you like, do have oh, you do have God. big pecs. I will say, she, my, my daughter says that. My daughter says, you're, she, she, my daughter will say, she's like, Dad, your pecs are your boobies. She's another pec now, but she's like, Dad, your breasts, your pecs are big. Like, why, why is it so big? I'm like, <laughs> Man, you're like bench pressing. They are the most candid human beings alive. Uh, they are oh, they're, they're bad idiots. breath detectors. Like, it's going on. Yeah, I kissed Augie this morning, and he looked at me. He goes, "Sorry, he's fine." He goes, sorry, Dad, bad breath. Goes, bad Dude, breath. Just giving you a kiss. Give me a break. I know. I know. Could you let, could you, you couldn't let it slide? Yeah, let it exactly. Fall. Oh, oh, good point, Mike. But hold that thought, because I want to hear from people who want to sell our listeners things. <laughs> Mike, let me ask you another thing. Uh, you know, Joshua deals with this uh, in his private life, but you know, you are a recognizable person. So when you are out with your family, and you know, you go to Chuck E. Cheese or Disney World or wherever else uh, the hand, the uh, the family uh, decides to go, um, there are going to be people who are going to ask for selfies and so on, and yeah. you know, want to chat you up. And 
you know, I don't know how you draw those kinds of lines. You know, it's probably different when you're on your own or, you know, in a professional yeah. environment versus with your family because you want to protect that family part too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's touch and go. I mean, there are times, you know, Disneyland, I don't, I don't, I don't do the, I don't entertain at Disneyland. Because, you know, when I go to Disneyland, I'm, I'm like, I, I, you know, I always wear a hat and shades. And I usually grow my beard out pretty good. And I always find that if I'm, not, if I'm not walking with a lot of people, I think people usually don't tend to think that's me anyway. They go, well, why he wouldn't be walking around here? Like, why is he, is that, is that, you know? And so I yeah. think that happens a lot. So I tend to, I think the less you try to do that to, uh, to protect yourself, Sometimes it makes it actually easier to go unnoticed if you just, if you know what I mean. Like That's the less you try to make a big deal out right. of it, you know, I, I tend to just, like I say, you know, I wear a shade hat and I just, you know, keep quiet. And I just move about very, very quietly. And my daughter and kids, if they do recognize me, I'll give them a nod and stuff. I, just, I don't do, do it where places where I know if I do it, it's going to continue. And for the most part, people give me a break when you with my kids. Yeah, I use my kid as a shield. I pick my kid up and I hold him and I'm like, I leave my kid. Like, if I'm holding my kid, I usually, they usually leave you alone and go, well, you know, some people don't, but you know, for the most part, they go, oh, he's with his kid, you know, and I'm go, and if they don't, I'll just, I'll just point at my kid. I, I, I smile at him and go, oh, sorry, got my kid, you know, it's like, ah, my kid, you know. Mike, can I throw in one last question? Because you do have one of the great artists' uh, voices, which is, what's your go-to uh, book right now? for reading to your children oh oh wow there's um is it um marina the uh, ballerina i think it is marina uh, the ballerina is it marina i think it's marina martina the ballerina is it martina or marina martina that's, that's my wife martina the ballerina um it's a book uh, that actually i did this in the, in the, in the film uh, with jamie bill called skin one of the producers wife uh, wrote that children's book and he was oh. talking about you know that at dinner time and he gave me his wife gave me an autographed copy of it and I'm always looking for new books um, to, to, to read to her so that's one uh, The Giving Tree I think is a great one I love oh, Michelle book. Silverstein um, yeah classic yeah that's a good book yeah and then, and then there's uh, the Curious George books but I gotta tell you now that I'm reading it, reading those books to her I feel weird because the, it's always about this little monkey getting into trouble and I'm going why am I reading this book to her about doing stuff that somebody said not to do and then he gets rewarded for it this makes no sense i mean also there's a ugly colonial underpinnings of curious george well, well, well of course there and and and, and, I, and i told my wife that once we got the things and i go you know what this is probably not a great idea but we're going to just finish this up and then we'll just throw them away and she won't notice but yeah there's a the colonial underpinning there's no question about it oh. Oh, awesome well hey. Thanks, man. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks for pointing. Thank you for pointing out. Not even worse, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Talk to you later. Thank you. Please, man. I can't tell who's One more impressive. Is more impressive than who that. has a more impressive voice, Jason yeah, Gay or Mike yeah. Coulter? I would like to rent that voice just for a week. You know, <laughs> like you know, I I I sound like I'm like I don't know like a character who should be in like a mop commercial or something like that, you know, but I want the gravitas of that voice. I would love to You've hear that voice. You've got your own gravitas, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> your own unique gravitas. But don't you want to hear Mike do like Goodnight Moon? I mean, come on. I think he could make a killing in audiobooks. He really could, really. I want <laughs> Goodnight Moon. Okay, fine, fine, fine. <laughs> Whatever I'll you say. say. Yeah. All right. I don't even need to see the rabbit. Um, well, that was... I thought it was. In, I mean, I I didn't know if I was hoping that he would say, "Yeah, I let my daughter see me cry." I think that would make me feel better about myself, letting <laughs> my kids see me cry. But I think he brought up a good point that um, kids need to be developmentally. It needs to be developmentally appropriate for them to see their parents in a sort of 
extreme emotional state or, you know, not, not as even keeled. Also, parental interviews should be like longitudinal, don't you think? Like, don't you want to check it with Mike like four years from Tune now? Tune in next episode, <laughs> four years. When, you know, let's see how the, you know, Mike's, uh, you know, stringent approach to parenting, uh, which sounds awesome. You mean the same page conversation? How it works out in a practical context, because that's the hard part I find with parenting. Yeah, I, I can come up with all kinds of theories about what I think is right, but, you know, Putting it into real use is, that's where I suffer. Yeah, I feel like the process of parenting is adopting strategies and then letting them go. Adopting and letting go and not really beating yourself up so much when you do inevitably let it go. And basically at the end of the day, you're just going to be, I think, although maybe this is cynical, you're going to be, there's not that wide of a range of parenting that you can change. Yeah. You know, but you can get a little better. Because you are you, right? It's like, yeah. I, I also love the idea. Can you imagine like you're you're leading some parenting seminar, you've put up a few flyers around the neighborhood and all of a sudden Luke Cage shows yeah. up at your parenting seminar? I mean, how about that? Although it's LA, so it's probably like Luke Cage and the guy from Burn Notice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're all Matthew Reese. Um I thought the part the fact that he needs to be conscious of his voice at home also really struck me yes. not that i am professionally a voiceover artist although you couldn't tell from no, this podcast I, yeah. but i do find that being conscious of my own tone of voice with my kids is a constant challenge yeah because i do have a tendency i think like him to be really stern or to come across as much angrier than i actually feel but it's just like oh this is a voice you're supposed to do when you say you know Stop yelling the word penis, you know? <laughs> like, I yeah. could be gentle. And, you know, your kids are a little older than mine, but we're still on the kind of, you know, we have to wind them down at the end of the night, yes. which means lowering your voice and not being as expressive. And my wife has actually scolded me for being too demonstrative reading books to them. She's like, you don't have to act it out. They need to go to sleep. They're going to get... Dragons love over tacos. Dragons Sort of love tacos, <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah, I've been I've I've been uh, reprimanded for you know taking a more activist approach to the bedtime reading. Uh, yeah, we we're, we're we're in the hellscape of uh, late bedtimes right now. Well, Jason, I enjoy talking to you. Thank I enjoy you. talking to Mike. Yeah, me and, too. And uh, I guess that's it for this episode. You can say that you enjoyed talking to Mike more than me. I'm not going to take it personal. Did I? Well, his phone line was a little bit crackly. Yeah. But he is more famous. And he has, that's, I mean, it's like not a better voice. It's an exponentially better voice than this one. I don't but know. But I'm going to work on it. I'm going to take up a three pack a day cigarette habit. No, the, I think the, you the should next just. next episode, you're going to not even recognize it. You should always a, talk like you're putting people to bed. That's it. That's it. That's it. And then, you know, by episode three, I'm going to sound like Tom Waits. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's it for the Fatherly Podcast this episode. Join us next week when we're talking to Matthias Giraud, who is, he does some crazy shit jumping off cliffs, and he has a kid. I'm curious about that. He also hit a cliff recently, um, jumping off of it. And David Sheff, who wrote uh, Beautiful Boy, he has a new book out with his son called Hi. 
My name is Joshua David Stein. I am your host of the Fatherly Podcast. This program was produced by Max Savage Levinson. Hey, Max. What's up, guys? This guy, what's your name? Jesse Shank? Jesse Schultz. Schultz. Jesse Schultz engineered it. Andrew Berman is our executive producer. Oh yeah, our hotline is a 732 number. That's Jersey. It's 732-416-4571. Why would you call it? You would call it if you're struggling with any issues as a dad or you want answers or you want us to ask questions. Again, it's 732-416-4571. Subscribe on iHeartRadio and have a great week.